It's always my favorite way to start an afternoon is some watch some footage of bison mauling people. We went down the rivers, we crossed the plains, over the mountains, we fought in streams. My old landlord uh, was in the hallway having a, you know, fucking argument with some guy tenant here, yeah. And, then and it was fucking petty as shit. We can't. We could just hear. Wow, we could have just recorded. Nobody cares. Yeah, I guess we could have just recorded the fight, throwing it in here. Right. Damn it, I didn't think. Well, about you that. just record the fight, and then you throw like player piano, <laughs> beer, beer and, glass and, getting and smashed. A, yep, a couple of those, maybe a random gunshot, <laughs> yeah, and then right. Wilhelm screaming. <laughs> well, fuck, missed opportunities. opportunity. Lost. Damn it! Can't have to go instigate another fight in the hallway. Uh, we'll record that later. Yeah. Well, it sounds like. Uh, Sounds like Will just informed me that we were like a third of the way through his script that he wrote, so <laughs> we should probably get after it. Um, Road. Oh, hi. Welcome back to How the West Was Fucked. How the West was fucked. Ding, ding, ding. Road um, trip edition. Road trip edition. Road we're, trip edition. We got the Ponkas saying, fuck you guys. We're going back to Nebraska. Yeah. Area on the, what, what was it last week? The you know, at the time, it was Nio, probably... Oh, Niobara. Is it Niobara? No, now I'm thinking Sabaro. Sabaro. <laughs> Garlic knots. It's actually technically Dakota Territory at the time, I think. Is it? Oh, really? Technically. Oh, yeah, right. I didn't Niobara. say Territory, I just said Nebraska. Niobara. PlayStation. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> PlayStation. So, uh, we're going to continue with the Comic Sans and the lovely dulcet tones of... William the Postman. <laughs> that is really shitty wrestling name. <laughs> right. Wait, last night we were that's, talking. That's my uh, Billy Philatelist. Well, when we were village la- people uh, character. Oh yeah, when we, just, when we just let off, we had like Big Snake and fucking yeah, cra- right. Crazy Bear, Crazy and Bear, fucking Praise for War and whatever the fuck. Oh, war- the cries, cries for, war. for War. Yeah. Yep. And then we got Billy the Postman. <laughs> no, it's William the Postman oh. or Billy Philatelist. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Speaking of Roadhead <laughs> So uh, they leave in January again Which is a perfect time uh, But after 20 days their food and money run out But farmers along the way help them out Here's a gourd You can um, either eat that or sell it yeah, right. But to Go keep it as far west as possible Avoid all the big towns uh, Agent White Man Stupid fucking White Man Alerted Shures that the, uh, and the army uh, Was out on the lookout for him Papers called them renegades on the loose. Of course. Bloodthirsty renegades, the Red Savage wreaking havoc across the plains. Luckily, Agent White Man is on the case. Uh, by the end of February, they make it to Gray Eyes in uh, Omaha. Gray Eyes or Iron? Oh, oh, yeah, there was a Gray Eyes, too. Yep. I want Don Knotts Eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's got Don Knotts yeah. Eyes. Or what's this fuck? Uh, uh, she's got Knot Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Don Nazi. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, no. on the surface of Mars eyes. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, or what's, uh, the, what's, what's the guy that plays Igor in... Um, oh, in, yeah, uh, that fucking dude. Frankenstein, um, shit. I was just looking up his IMDb the other day, too. Yeah. He did some crazy shit. Anyway. Yep. Uh, Iron Eye promised they'd uh, bury his son in the Neobrara. Nar- night. Niobrara. Niobrara. Uh, in the summer after they rest there, but they could live with the Omahas. Fucking the Omahas are sweet. But the agent there found out, and he let the army knew. Uh, Nark. Fucking Nark. Fucker, dude. What? So Suzette and I and I go to see Crook. Marty Feldman. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Marty it. Feldman, yeah. Uh, so March 30th, 1879, at the Omaha Daily Herald, uh, the deputy editor was Thomas Henry Tibbles. Mm-hmm. Who was, was a Persian cat with yep. a bizette, bedazzled collar. What? <laughs> Mr. Tibbles. <laughs> it's not, to, I don't, to me, Tibbles sounds like oh, something Oh, I thought you, I was missing out on some fucking movie reference or something. What? No. Okay. I did watch The Cat from Outer Space not yeah. too long ago. Well, Sheriff Mittens is, you know, down the street. No. But There's, of course... Of course, the best movie ever is Stunt Rock. We've Stunt Rock is the shit, dude. That fucking wizard and the sword. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, sorcery. Danger Zone. It's a death wish at 120 decibels. Yeah, we, I think I've talked about it on this before. I I have that movie. It's like a uh, this Australian um, Australian stuntman, like for movies. Uh-huh. Like 
And in real life, the guy was just a stuntman and decided to make this crazy movie. And it's 1979, so he's smoking while doing all oh, these stunts. Oh, every time. Yeah, every time. But it, the movie opens with him doing a, just a bunch of fucking stunts, like driving around dune buggies and doing wheelies shit. and shit. Yeah, jumping off cliffs. And then he like, his his cousin, is it his cousin? His cousin's like so. a, in a band in LA, and they do like a big like metal show with like the stage show thing. And his cousin, he like flies to LA to like, stay with his cousin for vacation and then he watches their show their band play and he's like i got some ideas to zest up your stage show mm-hmm. and then they just like do all these like stunts goes and gets like gravedigger and there's has it, like, literally there's almost no, no story plot. arc to this fucking movie <laughs> no. at all so and then they just like they play a show and they do a stunt everybody loves it and he's like oh these stunts are great man he's like all right i've got another thing to show you well, that's terrible australian accent but um he's got we got this other thing we can do all right cool and it's like the Fountain of Fire, and you can get impaled on a sword, and there's a wizard you have to fight, and now it's so well, like they Nintendo just, game. They just play every show gets more elaborate, and then the movie ends. Wicked, yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay. it's fucking sick. It's the one where where the guy loses his fucking hands, but he comes becomes a synth pop icon with fake hands and like uh, dresses like a robot. What? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a movie. Yeah, uh, good, bad, and bad, bad did it. It's like the kid. Uh, he pisses off some kids and he's in a fucking Honda Civic because I remember that because uh, those idiots called it a fucking uh, uh, Pinto, but it's a Civic. But uh, he pisses off some local jocks or whatever. They kind of wreck his car and then they squish him with a front end loader and he loses both of his hands. But he was like had been like a like a guitar player or something. But then he gets becomes an alcoholic and lives in a box and then he joins some joins some some nerds and and hooks up with I believe it's like Kelly Bundy. What is the love interest in there? And then uh, the, one of the nerds makes him a, a, able to play the synth. Cliven and, Bundy? No, like, you know, from Al Bundy's daughter. Oh. Like, uh, uh, Christina Applegate? Yeah, Christina yeah. Applegate from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah. Vibrations? Something like that. Does he have a weird fucking robot guy on the cover? It's like... The it's guy, vibrations. The guy is it one of the, guy, uh, the, ki- the kid on the motorcycle from fucking uh, Twin Peaks. So, you know anything about techno? No. Watch. See, the idea is to get the vibe going. Then you maintain the vibe with a transducing bass and the right lights. See, we're primal, heading for cosmic. Just when you think we're in galactic ecstasy, we go acid. It's hardcore neutronic mutilation. Now we get serious. See, we're going on a psychotically calibrated, electronically executed, digitally compressed, hustling screening journey through sonic rubiness. The world is coming to an end, but we don't care. Because we're moon-tan nocturnal, vinyl-consuming animals drifting easy through friendly space, an analog trance. Nothing can doom this groove. We're controlling the vibe, manipulating the madness, sucking in the energy. Our cosmic nerve endings are telling us how to move, what to do, where to go, and then we know. Then time. Let's go. Wow. Yeah, Christina Applegate and James Marshall. Vibrations, 1996. Mm -hmm. You heard it here. All right. 
I will be. It'll it's, be in my grasp soon. It's super awesome when he's like alcoholic and homeless and has fake hands and he freaks people out by sticking a knife through them. Doesn't sound super awesome. <laughs> it's not. It's really. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> good thing we didn't get off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> So, Deputy Editor Tibbles. Oh, the cat, right. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, Joe Don Baker and the cat. He ran away at age 11 and joined the John Brown in his fight. The, the John, the John Brown. Brown. The one? Like the John Brown. Oh, tight. Mm-hmm. At, all- at 11. You missed the part where he's 11. No, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> I guess, well, I guess... Uh, John, can I hold a sword? Well, I guess... Uh, what's you his talk? Um, Jump him! Jump him! Jump him! Jump him! Come on. Uh, Jesse James was... 14, so... Oh. I thought you were going to say Jesse James joined John Brown. I was like, no. whoa, that's impossible. Uh, Tibbles was almost killed by Quantrill's Raiders, mm. and when uh, Jesse James is on the on the loose, he leads one of the posses after him, too. Ah. But in uh, 1 a.m. in the morning, on March 30th, 1879... That's when the a.m. occurs, is in the morning. Uh, General George Crook uh, comes into his office, along with Iron Eye and Suzette. Say what's up? So, why, why are you still here? It's one in the morning. You up? Yeah. So they came at one in the morning, so oh, nobody nice. would see them. Oh, oh, oh! I Conspicuously have to, I have to arriving walk down the street with Indians. <laughs> yeah. And Crook hears their story about being fucked over, and he told Tibbles, "I've been forced to do many cruel things for the army over the years. Yep, <laughs> sure has. But now I'm ordered to do more, a more cruel thing than ever before, which is saying a lot." Uh, Bright Eyes, uh, Suzette went ahead with the Ponca story. She finished, and Crook said that he was ordered to arrest Standing Bear and the other Ponkas. So Crook asked Tibbles for help. Tibbles is the guy that runs the newspaper? Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's going to basically make him like, put an article on blast right. to kind of like shed light on the shit situation. Gotcha. So then he can, like, oh, what can I do? Public opinion is. Right. I've right, got to right. call the army off now, you know. Right, right. Well, Crook saw a loophole in his orders and asked Tibbles to exploit it. Uh, his orders were to arrest the Ponkas and provide a guard for their return, which he did. But his orders didn't say anything about actually returning them, so he would delay returning them. I'll arrest them and put them up by the Nile. <laughs> so, uh, by the PlayStation River. While he's delaying them, uh, Tibbles would take up their cause in the papers. So Tibbles gets a few hours of sleep and goes to Fort Omaha to talk to Standing Bear. Uh, at first, he didn't want to talk to Tibbles, but after a while, he did. Uh, and talked to Standing Bear and the other Ponkas almost the whole day. So Crook and Tibbles knew that the newspaper articles wouldn't be enough. Tibbles and an ex-minister would go around at the churches and kind of spread the word. Uh, and then he gets back into town to catch the evening services. Uh, he convinced the churches to wire interior secretary Schurz the next morning to uh, spread the word and let the Ponkas stay. So Tibbles got home at 11 and started on an article, which he finished at 5 in the morning. Wow. That's a.m. Yep. Mm. Then he woke up at 7 and went to work again, so he's getting no sleep. Jesus. He got to Crook's office at 10 a.m. when Standing Bear's interview at Crook's office in the meeting was. So uh, this is kind of the official meeting, and nobody knew that Crook had talked to Tibbles the day before. Have you ever seen that movie, A Talking Cat? Yeah, but we don't have anything in common. You both talked to a cat, didn't you? And the cat talked back, didn't it? That's weird. True. Yes. Seen <laughs> the driving cat. Talking cat? Talking cat? 
Two inches of the driving cat's better. Mm-hmm. See, I, I told you he could drive. Chances, look out! Ah! What was Does the rule? Eric Robertson. What was the rule in the talking cat? It's like uh, the cat can only talk once to, to, you, to, to each person. Yep. And then it'll never talk to you again. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and it, it was it's like the most poorly drawn on mouth of a cat. There we d- we could have done better, like mm-hmm. easily. Here's the yeah. question: Like I've never figured out whether or not you know Garfield doesn't move his mouth when he talks, so it's like his thoughts. But somehow John can hear him. Yeah, it's like a, thought projection. Okay, that's more disturbing than all. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> a mutant cat. I can <laughs> see in your brain, John. I still love uh, better than Garfield. I can, I can watch you jerking off in your <laughs> mind. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> no, uh, fucking uh, Garfield minus Garfield is so excellent. Yes. So fucking excellent. Have you seen that shit, Will? The sad tale of a, a man lo- losing a, his mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is only slightly better than being a man who talks to their cats. Right, right. Uh, so Crook didn't lock up the Ponkas in a cell. He allowed them to put up their uh, shelters on the ground. I'll uh, let you build your own jail. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, why not? Par for the course. Probably better than whatever jail you can put him in. You guys need an axe and a rifle, so we'll outfit your jail. <laughs> <laughs> so Crook and his guys listened as Standing Bear told, tells the story again. Crook said he had orders to follow, but he'll allow them their, their several days for their horses to recover. But he couldn't tell Standing Bear the truth. Uh, Standing Bear knew that he had uh, to follow his orders, but asked that the Great Father give him money and provisions for the trip back. Crook couldn't give him any money, but he would give him provisions. And Tibbles hurries back and writes the story again. Gets back at 3 p.m. and wrote the story of the last few days. Then prepared the rest of the of the paper and got home at 3 a.m. So soon the whole country would know the story. Damn, I didn't know cocaine existed back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was a children's medicine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. Duh. <laughs> so, his gums, he's teething. Yeah. So the whole country knew, and most of them were for the Ponkas. Uh, they're punk as fuck. Mm-hmm. I was waiting to use that. <laughs> I don't know if it landed, but they hadn't heard from uh, Shures yet. So Crook and Tibbles decided to step it up and get a lawyer for Standing Bear. Oh. Which is... Holy un- shit. Public un- defender. Un- yeah. Harvey Birdman. Mm-hmm. Fucking Matlock. <laughs> Actually, I'd, yeah. Harvey Birdman's Who is the man in the suit? Uh, they asked all the lawyers in Omaha, and they all declined because they reminded them that Indians had no rights. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what... And they couldn't even hire a, a lawyer without uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs approval. Right. Uh, so Tibbles goes to the library and kind of pours over legal books, but he didn't get far. Uh, but Tibbles does find a lawyer eventually, John Lee Webster. Uh, Webster and Tibbles went to the same college in Ohio, though not at the same time. Uh, Webster was uh, a lawyer, but was more so a politician, mayor, and congressman there. So Tibbles laid out his case. Uh, Webster said it was just not possible, but he told him to give him a day to think it over. Tibbles went back to his office. He opened a copy of the Constitution, and he looked up the 14th Amendment uh, at the suggestion of Webster, which was, you know, they freed the slaves, but the 14th gave them all their rights. Right. Which basically said, if you're a born in this country, you're a citizen. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. But Indians at the time were just wards of the state, so they were just children. Because they weren't born in this country. Wait a second. You can't get more native than natives. Well, it's because they weren't 
people. That's why. That's why you have department. The you know department of the interior. You know, looking at them, kind of like you know how you do lumber and animals. And oh fuck you! <laughs> Fishing. Fuck. <laughs> So the next day, Webster agreed to take the case. Uh, A.J. Poppleton would assist. He was the best lawyer in Nebraska and Omaha's first mayor. He'd study at mm-hmm. fucking Candyland University. Or- <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a chief attorney for the Union Pacific Railroad, too. And he was rich, and he was a good public speaker, like me. The 14th Amendment was only 11 years old, and it was barely tested out in courts. Illegal. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Webster and Tibbles went to see Crook. Uh, they told him they would apply for the writ of habeas corpus against Crook, which says you can't, if you're arrested, you have to be charged with something eventually. Habeas corpus, And the writ would make Crook testify, and he, he would say that they should go free. So Webster found an 1870 report that said the 14th Amendment did apply to Indians, somewhere in the backlog there. Fine print. Yep. Uh, Webster would argue, since Standing Bear and the others left, that they were no longer part of the tribe, therefore under the protection of the 14th Amendment. It's kind of like, uh, you see the thing uh, today, I think it is, there's a woman in Texas saying that, well, you know, if the the fetus developing inside me is a full-on person, can I use the HOV lane? <coughs> HOV lane? <coughs> Excuse me, I don't know why I'm, my throat just suddenly went very dry. <coughs> but yeah, there's somebody question the legality of that holy shit okay you got so like a 30 30 month old fetus or whatever yeah or so okay month, so if 30 month old Jesus. 30 month old fetus you got problems <laughs> <laughs> no if if uh so if if the if it if it is a person at conception or whatever the right. fuck these psychos want uh then if if, if the baby is if the it, if it's, the it's in the car. Well, yeah, that I get. Sure, I mean, if that's how you guys want to play it, then fucking that should be the rule. But if if the uh, if the fetus is threatening the the mother's life, you should be able to shoot it in self defense. Yes. All right. If it's a person and it's threatening my well, life, well, I should be able to execute that motherfucker. Well, castle doctrine. You're standing yeah. your ground. You have no right to flee your own body. Fucking a man. Yeah. Exactly. See how stupid this gets, you fucking assholes? Yeah, we, can, we could do this all yeah. day. <laughs> Go all the Fat. way down. I'd put a stuffed Garfield in the car for, for the HOV lane. But. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the only reason I have that blow-up sex doll. The only reason. Only reason. Uh, so, uh, they're all kind of in on this. So, uh, Crook has to play the part of the bad guy. Playing the part of the bad guy, General like, George Crook. It seems mm-hmm. like he's pretty down for it. Was like, <laughs> he's well, had a lot of practice. Well, it's not just that. He's like kind of like, I'm barely fuckable with, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I can take a little bit of heat if sure, it does sure. a decent thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I am guilt-ridden from the yeah. fucking atrocities. <laughs> no shit. I'm thinking, like, now, cause, so at the beginning of this, when you were like, in the right return of General George Crook, I was like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. But right now, I'm kind of like, damn, all right. Mm-hmm. Actually, atoning for your right. sins a little bit, or yep. trying to do something that's not terrible. Yep. The same thing, fucking Nelson Miles actually kind of did. Fuck you, Miles City. Fuck you, Miles City. <laughs> and also Nelson Miles. <laughs> so now they have to find a friendly judge. Uh, <laughs> like Oscar the Gr- or like like Elmo. <laughs> actually, it's Elmer Dundee. Oh. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> really? Yep. That's dope. What's his last name? Dundee. Dundee. Oh, mm. Dundee. Wow. That's a knife. Shit. He was friends with Tibbles, and we were hunting buddies, and he also hunted with Crook, too. So, mm. 
So they send a messenger off to find the judge because he's out hunting bear. <laughs> so it's a Roy Bean situation? Yep. He's out hunting standing bear. Yeah. So time was precious because the army would still would soon tell Crook to send the Ponkas back, you dumbass. You're, why else would you arrest Quit him? Quit around. So they sent out people to find the judge, and they found him, and they would hear the case on Tuesday. So they're acting quick. Awesome. Let me clean the blood off my smock, and I'll be right in the courtroom. No time it? for that. Get in there. So Dundee's middle name was Sepio. CPO or Cy like C3PO S S C I P I O Scipio like Scipio Africanus. Yep, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Spell it one more time. Scipio Africanus. That was the Roman general who defeated Hannibal. Mm-hmm. I guess I just learned that. I think they let some mice out and scared away the elephants. Mm-hmm. That's probably what. Names dot com. Scipio. <laughs> oh, it's Scipio, not Scipio. Fuck you, every uh, like. Uh, well, actually, I learned it from the movie Gladiator, so I guess my... Well, that's, accu- that's accurate. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, all the Romans had, you know, Australian accents and smallpox of course. inoculation scars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tuesday, they issued the writ of habeas corpus in Lincoln. Habeas corpus. And later that day, it was delivered to Crook, and that blocked Schurz from shipping the Ponca back. Ooh, there you go. All right. Side Sidetrack over. Time mm-hmm. to continue on this road trip. So April 30th, Judge no, Dunn. not yet. It's time to go to fucking court for, oh, for a while. <laughs> yep. It's just like a road trip. We're, we're not going you're to Wally World, kids. You're stuck in your chair we're for fucking be stuck hours. in litigation all summer break. God damn it. So April 30th, Judge Dundee set a hearing. If he found that the Ponkas had been illegally arrested, they could go free. Um, if you're illegally arrested, does somebody have to like be prosecuted for that? Because they broke the law? No. That sucks. Have you not watched the news ever? <laughs> <laughs> uh, representing the government was Genio Madison Lambertson. Dude, I met a guy the other day. Uh, at, like This guy was closing his tab. His fucking name was Christopher Lambert. Oh, cool! Not like, the Christopher Lambert. Well, I know. I was I, last episode. I talked about Fortress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher Fortress Lambert. Two in space. Fortress in space. <laughs> he was only twenty nine, and he was only the district attorney for only five months. Only twenty nine. He's a fuck? fucking grandpa. Fucking eight. <laughs> <laughs> 1878 or whatever. Anton Wood is fucking, is legal. (laughs) (laughs) He was a little overconfident because he thought this case was laughable because... (laughs) Fucking, I'm just picturing like Ben Shapiro in a barrister wig for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, he thought it was laughable because (laughs) Native Americans aren't fucking people. Are you (laughs) crazy? Easy. Exactly. Uh, He also didn't know that Crook was in on it and he wanted to lose the case too. That Crook did, not, not Lambertson. Uh, the courtroom was packed. Uh, Crook showed up actually wearing his dress uniform, which he rarely did. Oh, wow. Well, that's what you do. That I did that in a college debate, like, because we were given a topic that you had to, you didn't get to choose whether you were for or against it, you were just assigned. And my team had to uh, talk about the benefits of chemical weapons. <laughs> so I shaved, got gave myself a high and tight. And threw on my fucking dress. Desert beady. No, I, I, I got rid of those fucking. I don't like my dress uniform. And I couldn't fit in it at the time, but I could yeah. throw on my desert BDUs and fucking. Well, Len, lens an air of, uh, oh, you know. I technically had some chemical clout. weapons training. You know, sure. I've been through the gas chamber like everyone else who went through basic, basic training. Yeah. Yeah. 
but we won just because, uh, you know. You have to, like... I'm up against a guy wearing fucking Birkenstocks and fucking right. floral print shorts. You have to exude... exude uh, 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 competence. Competence, yes. yes. Uh, they only had five punkas at the hearing. Uh, they wore the only European clothes that they had, which were all in tatters because they've been oh, walking for two months. I thought you were going to say the Birkenstocks and <laughs> that was going to feel bad. Uh, Standing Bear's wife had their little baby along, and that probably helped to get a little sympathy, too. Okay. Well, it's a Chicago system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Eye and Bright Eyes were there. Court had a translator, but it would only translate when Standing Bear spoke. It wouldn't translate the English to Standing Bear, right. so he had no idea what was going on, which kind of probably made it a little uh, uh, tense. Yeah, tense. Yeah. <laughs> also, like calling the translator it, Makes yeah. me think that it's like a little weird a machine. Computer. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an 1800. It's like, ah, it's the mechanical tech. Wind it up and watch it go. Like, <laughs> like runs on a system of punch cards and gears. Yeah. So odds are that Tibbles and the judge were friends. Obviously, they're talking about this case and kind of planning on how to do it, which might not be 100% legal, but mm-hmm. fuck it. Judge read the petition that the Ponca had left their tribe and severed all ties with them. And that they had adopted the customs of whites, and they vowed to make their own way in the world without help from the U.S. government, so they wouldn't be subject to the rules over Indians, which made Indians were wards of the state and not citizens. And so. then fucking prosecutors like, oh, look, isn't that cute? They're trying to be people. <laughs> so that was the first time the public heard anything like this, so it was probably shocking. Blasphemy! <laughs> so what the court had to decide like, if they were if they were legally arrested. It's like ladies fainting in the in the gallery. <laughs> A uh, few witnesses were called, and Standing Bear was called, too. Uh, even before he spoke, uh, the DA Lambertson objected, and he said, Does this court think an Indian is a competent witness? <laughs> Whoa. Ouch. Dundee gave him a nasty look. <laughs> he said, They are competent for every purpose in both civil and criminal courts. The law makes no distinction of account of race, color, or previous condition. Holy, Holy shit. It's like, wow. Lib- These fucking woke libtards. Like- <laughs> fuckers. <laughs> also, the, the, well, I, I don't know why, but like when uh, when the judge gave him a nasty look, I imagine him like doing a V with his finger. It's like... Blah, blah, blah. Oh. <laughs> More like a pervy look. Yeah. Uh, so previous condition... Gavel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, previous condition meant by the judge that uh, they previously been member of the tribe, so that he's setting up the, the language for this. Dundee signaled that he already accepted that the Poncas were no longer members of the tribe, and Standing Bear's testimony started. So he tells his story. Uh, everything was okie-dokie at the Neobrara. Neobrara. Verbatim, uh, that's what he said. Oh. And he farmed like Whitey wanted and worked hard. Uh, then he got to the 158 of his people dying, and he gets emotional and stands up. Uh, the judge had to ask him to calm down and sit. Uh, then he talked about the poor soil condition in Oklahoma, and no schools were built for him. So it was pretty moving, but now it was the DEA's turn. Uh, he asked how many members of the other clans escaped with him to point out that Standing Bear was the chief and the leader. Uh, Webster objected. Uh, Lambert said, uh, said, quote, I just wanted to see if he could count. <laughs> what the what fuck? The fuck? <laughs> what is, oh, dude. You were about to ask what is up. You know what is up. Uh, uh, Lambertson know. asked if he was a chief, and Standing Bear said he didn't consider himself a chief. And then threw a chair at him like Bobby Knight. <laughs> because he was instructed by the attorneys not to say that you're the leader. Right. Lambertson asked if he asked white man, the, the, 
agent yeah. if if he could leave. It's going to get confusing. <laughs> Did you ask white man if you could leave? Which one? Stupid fucking white man. Uh, so Standing Bear said he asked numerous times. And numerous white men. And he left only to bury his son back in Nebraska, which got the crowd's sympathy. Uh, Lambert said did get Sandy Bear to admit that he received some rations at the Omaha Reservation, but his other questions were disallowed, and Lambertson was finished, and Standing Bear was called down, and Webster said that he had no more witnesses. So uh, the judge said it was time for the DA to present the government's case. Surprisingly, he said he had no witnesses. <laughs> Look, he's an Indian. <laughs> yeah, right. I rest my case. But he read Fuck. a prepared statement saying uh, the Poncas were here still retain their tribal relations, and they're not pursuing the habits and vocations of civilized life. Like going to court? Mm-hmm. Is that one of those? Well, that gets to the even bigger surprise, because after this, Crook uh, got up and objected. He didn't agree with the government statement, even though it had a signature on it. But the judge said he couldn't directly address the court, because he had to have an army judge advocate do it for him. But everybody knew that Crook's in, you know, intentions were after this, that he... Wanted to help out and not, yeah. not be an asshole. Wow. Uh, so the judge said to Webster to get on with the summations. This kind of caught off guard Lambertson. He didn't call any witnesses. So he asked to delay it for tomorrow, but the jed- judge said, you know, please continue. Webster stammered through a few sentences. It was hot in the courtroom, and he sat down, and he said he was not well enough to continue. The judge uh, gave him another dirty look, but they adjourned till the next day. Tibbles went back to Fort Omaha with the Poncas and through an interpreter tried to explain what had happened, but most of it went over their heads because it's over our heads too. Habeas what? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Standing Bear was unhappy he didn't get to make all his points and to call out uh, Commissioner Haight as a liar. Standing Bear was used to speaking for himself instead of having your lawyer do it. Tibbles went to the judge before the trial started the next day. He asked if uh, Standing Bear would be allowed to address the court, and the judge allowed it. Though it was usually just the attorneys that addressed the court. Uh, Webster went into the summation for two hours, and then they had lunch, then went on for another hour. He said that the Omahas had every right to share their lands with their friends. He also said that the Commissioner of Indian Affairs couldn't just move a tribe on, on a whim, and the treaty said that they needed to consent to be moved, which they never did. <laughs> and he questioned the Indian Commission's right to use the army to move the Ponca. The military keep on every time you say, like, use the army to do the Ponca, it's like, two starving students, moving company. Right. It's like, hop in a mm-hmm. truck, y'all. We're going to drive you. Some 7th and 10th cavalry guys, like, right. carrying couches with, the, you know. With yeah. The, yeah. Fuck, that would be helpful. <laughs> no, instead they were, like, literally yeah, bayonet yeah. pointing them to 600 miles away. Mm-hmm. He also said that the military could only legally hold prisoners for five days before giving them award to civil authorities if they were using the army. And that's wow. what they had to follow. Tell that to the people at Gitmo. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so now is Lambertson's turn. Without fear of the judge, he questioned the legality of the case to begin with. Like he said, he was like, this guy's an Indian. Mm-hmm. Because it never had to happen before. Uh, he What's said, next is a slippery slope. We're going to try dogs, ducks. That's exactly what he said. He said uh, oh, Indians Jesus. weren't citizens and they had n- no more rights than beasts in a field. They were here before you, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so were the dinosaurs. They get fucking 14th Amendment rights. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked will be right back. 
Hey folks, it's Crazy Ernie from Crazy Ernie's Previously Owned Horse Emporium. It's a giant general store of previously owned horses. I got so many previously owned horses, people come up to me all the time and say, Hey, Crazy Ernie, where'd you get all those previously owned horses? Looky here, I got brown previously owned horses, spotted previously owned horses, black previously owned horses. I got enough previously owned horses to choke a camel. I also got camels. That's right, you come down here in the next hour and a half and buy a previously owned horse from me and I'll throw in an army surplus camel for just one penny. That's Crazy Ernie's Previously Owned Horse Emporium. Just take the 310 to Yuma right next to Jared's Barber and Bloodletting. So come on down or I swear to God I will bayonet all 40 of these goddamn mules. Uh, he also said that the treaty said that no one besides the tribe could be on a reservation. Yeah, so. Even another tribe of Indian. And for that, they should be arrested. What? Uh, never mind all the white people sneaking onto Indian lands. Yeah. No shit. No. And also, they were fucking, like, like guests. Yeah. Well, like, there's also were... a lot of intertribal marriages. Yeah. So. so, Judge Dundee had a full schedule coming up, so he decided to keep the trial going after supper, Ooh. which was unusual. Oh, wow. Uh, after dinner, uh, Poppleton addressed the court. He was the great speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the point that Congress didn't set aside a new reservation for the Ponca, and the treaty said that they had to consent to move. And he said that there was no law saying Indians can use habeas corpus. And he speaks for two hours. Habeas corpus. There's no law saying anybody they, needs a law <laughs> saying they need to. Yeah, there's know. no law saying they can't. That's the that's why it's <laughs> constitutional, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. Judge Dundee adjourned the case, and he said he would decide at a future date. But before uh, everyone left, he let Standing Bear speak. This time, they got a good interpreter for him, uh, which was Bright Eyes, Suzette there. And the crowd was excited. Every time, no you, every time you say fucking Bright Eyes, I either flash to the fucking band or to Char- Charlton Heston. Char- yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dr. Zero, would you tell Bright Eyes to be quiet? My name is Taylor. Taylor! Silence the animal! Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <gasps> he can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk! I can sing! Ooh, help me, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Oh, Dr. Zayas! If you haven't watched the Dr. Zayas talk show, it's pretty good. That sounds familiar. Sound like YouTube's. Standing Bear said 158 of his people had died in Indian territory, and he didn't want to die there. He wanted to die in the land of his fathers. He never fought the white guy, the white man. I want to die right here. He's a leg farmer. Yeah, I think not. He's kind of proven himself to be. No, no, he's very chill. Way, way, almost too chill. Yeah, too patient almost. So, everybody was kind of tearing up with the speech. Uh, Standing Bear looked at Judge Dundee and said, uh, you are that man to decide this. Music rising, slightly Mm -hmm. hopeful, hopeful, hopeful music. All right. So, the judge had tears in his eyes, and so did Crook. I was just cutting an onion back here, man. (laughs) Uh, Afterwards, no one spoke. The judge nodded at the marshal and said, all rise, and the courtroom erupted in applause. Mm -hmm. Everybody rushed forward, and uh, everybody was shaking Standing Bear's hand, including Crook. So he didn't. Say, he said, "All rise." He hasn't. He hasn't given a judgment yet. No, not yet. But okay, you can kind of see, <laughs> <You're> like, ka, <laughs> ka, 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 straight to jail, directly <laughs> to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
didn't turn out that way. Oh, good. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, Standing Bear went back to Fort Omaha. There he gets plenty of visitors, mostly well-wishers from the church. Uh, no one knew how long before the judge would decide. Uh, then they heard it would be announced May 12th. And the judge ruled that Standing Bear was a human being. Holy shit. And therefore protected by habeas corpus. But well, the rest are, of the are Native you, Americans are, are not you, human are, beings. Are you going to do the Standing Bear, the, like the quote from the thing? Uh, I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, man. I thought you... I've had it, and now i got to refine it. But that didn't totally left the Ponca off the hook, because they could still be returned if they left the reservation illegally. But Judge Dundee said they had the right to leave their tribe, like any migrant that came from Europe or who are, wherever. So there, according to the law, the res is a different country? Kind of. Mm. <laughs> so you take over people's land, and then you make a new country inside of your country to put them on, and if they cross that line, they're immigrants. Y- yeah, and then also... I wanna though, fu- I'm going to go kill myself Also, right though, now. you're not supposed to invade their land, except it was done constantly. The and then also, yeah. Cool. I'm going to go step Now our Supreme traffic. Court is uh, changing that and <laughs> making it harder because oh, they're yeah. evildoers. I forgot about that yeah. last week. Wait, what? What the fuck happened? What did I miss? They've done so much fucking horse shit that I uh, Well, one. now they'll let like local cops go on to reservations. Oh, they've expanded like local police... Uh, uh, well, jurisdiction. you used to not have any, so, so, like, they could, they had sovereignty. So, like, um, if, like, Native American goes, you know, outside the res and is for any reason, you know, getting pursued by the cops, you know, I don't know. Right. Once they cross that line into the res, right. the, the, right, the, cops the U.S. cops yeah. are not allowed to follow them. But they're changing that. The Supreme Court, by a vote of five to four, said that both the federal government and the state have concurrent jurisdiction with Native American courts for crimes against Native Americans committed on reservation land by non-Native Americans. Stupid fucking white man. Anyway, the quote, uh, apparently from the from the court hearing, This hand is not the color of yours, but if I pierce it, I shall feel pain. If you pierce your hand, you will also feel pain. The blood that will flow from mine will be of the same color as yours. I am a man. The same God made us both. And that's slightly different. It seems like an abridged or slightly dolled up version of the one I read before. Right. But, uh, but the, yeah, you the, get, you get the fucking stiller. gist. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. I'm going to not go kill myself right now. <laughs> I should probably help do something about what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. Continue. So, uh, so the judge rules that even, uh, you know, they're legal U.S. citizens and protected by law. And the judge said that Crook didn't have the legal right to arrest him, and they must be released. So that kind of made him free Yay. after that. So news spread across the country, but uh, nothing but silence from D.C. <laughs> well, <of laughs> fucking course. newspapers. Yeah. This just in. Punkers declared people. Yeah, Native Americans like, oh, declared shit. people. All of the tribes still fucked. Fuck. So the next day, Secretary of War George McCrary issued an order. Standing Bear was to be released and located on a land near to, but separate from the Omaha Reservation. This is to take effect on May 19th. So McCrary, he didn't have to do this, but he was leaving office in a couple of months, so he helps him out a little bit too. Wait, so they're they're declared people, but they still, like, we're going to move you to a different place. Here's your personal reservation. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Your own personal Idaho? Yeah. Yep. Your oh. own private Idaho? No! Indian Commissioner Haight had instructed the DA to appeal the case because he worried it might destroy the Indian system, and it scared a lot of white people. Yep. The Indian system was keeping kind of nimby fucking white people. Oh, we'll, you know, we'll feel safe if we keep them oppressed, and people were grifting the fuck out of it and getting very rich. So. Yeah, exactly. Who fucking raw. So Poppleton and Webster warned Tibbles that he went, if he went back to the reservation, he could be illegally arrested now. And also, Standing Bear couldn't go back to the old uh, reservation in Neobrara. Neobrara. Because he was no longer part of the tribe. Damn it. Because he had to give that up. But uh, what if the people, what if the tribe is cool with him showing up? Well, he can they, get arrested by who? By the U.S. government? Mm-hmm. If they really want to. Yeah, fucking eat my ass, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. So, May 13th, under orders from hate, a lawyer show up to talk to Standing Bear. Crook had no legal right to stop him. Uh, Standing Bear was a free man, so uh, he learns about the meeting later. But the lawyers, through an interpreter, said Standing Bear can now go home perfectly safely to Neobrara. Neobrara. But this was underhanded. The 1868 Act of Congress erroneously gave the Ponca Reservation as part of the Sioux Reservation. You know, their old buddies, the Sioux, that used to raid them constantly. Right, right, right. They hate their guts. Mm Mm-hmm. And since no one could trespass on the reservation, he could be illegally arrested if he went back home. God damn it. What a fucking shit show. After the attorneys left, Standing Bear asked the Ford if he could go back, and he was told that he couldn't. But Standing Bear still had to bury his son. So the next day, Standing Bear snuck out to walk home with the bones of his son in a sack. I see. It's been, yeah, it's been a long enough time yeah, where right. he's getting slightly more portable as... <laughs> Well, I guess the Ponca would, you know, leave them like, up in the, yeah, sky in the scaffolds, kind of and then, then after that, after they decompose enough, then they buried them. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Tibbles made it to Iron Probably Eyes. Probably started burying them so they wouldn't end up on somebody's bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. We didn't used to do this, but we've noticed a, a lot of missing relatives' heads ending up in, like, the Smithsonian and shit. So. Yeah, exactly. So Tibbles finds this out, uh, and he guessed that Standing Bear was going home, and he knew that it was a trap. We've got enemy ships in Sector 47. It's a trap! It's a trap! Also, who's cat? Uh, someone get your cat. Laid by Hayton Shirts to arrest him. So he sets out after uh, Chief Standing Bear. He made it to Iron Eyes, and he knew that he had two fast ponies and borrowed one of them. He'd have created a diversion. Uh, Standing Bear had an 18-hour head start. Took along, uh, Tibble stakes along a young interpreter. And you mean two, like the number two? Not like T-O-O, fast ponies? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he probably takes Frank or maybe Bright Eyes, but Tibbles didn't want to say because they would get in trouble. Right. So Tibbles said he traveled 120 miles in the next 18 hours. Jesus. And caught up with Standing Bearer uh, while he was at camp. And they convinced him to go back with his son's bones, so he still can't bury his son. But at least he didn't get arrested by this trap that they... Made right. for him. What? 
Why are you trying to trap this guy? Let him do his fucking thing, dude. Because they are dicks. And then he will go back to being yeah. just a dude. And What's so much effort just to fuck over somebody? No. It's bullshit. And sure, all his life he was a reformer, and he paints himself as a reformer after this and tries to say, hey, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. Right. He's not. God damn, dude. Crook and Tibbles and Webster talk about what could be done for the Ponkas. Uh, since they were no longer Ponko, uh, the government couldn't uh, wouldn't give them any money. What year? What year is this again? By the way, uh, right now we're at seventy nine or eighty. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the Omaha Ponka Relief Fund was started, and it was run by the church. Which uh, church? Uh, just local ones in Omaha. The <laughs> the church. Uh, Lambertson did appeal, but the case was refused to be heard. Ponkas were not around because they were set free. And Labertson kind of fucked that up because he kind of waited too long, I guess. Aponka couldn't go back to their old homes, though, but Crook found another loophole. He found several fertile lands of the Neobrara before it hit the Missouri. Neobrara. Uh, so that was technically outside the reservation, which was still considered the Sioux Reservation, but it was still part of their traditional homeland. So he sets aside those few little islands for them. Uh, May 19th, they leave for their new home. Uh, which was good enough for now, but Crook knew that their best cropland was north of the river. And the government was pressuring the Brule Sioux to settle uh, their, uh, their treaty there to fix it. But, of course, they had to have like two-thirds of the men vote right. for it. So their island was two miles away from the white town of Neobrara. Neobrara. They welcomed them back. And they traded provisions for wood that the Ponca just chopped down. I on imagine they, they probably actually had some like acquaintances and friends there that they hadn't seen in, yeah. in a while. And, yeah, awesome. What's up, bro? I heard you're a person now. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking excellent. excellent. So when are they going to let you vote? Because, <laughs> well, uh, you're laughing, but. Okay. What, all right. You well, want to guess when uh, Indians got to be citizens? That's why I'm. La- that's why I'm laughing. Well, see the Fifteenth Amendment from, I assume, from, from 1870, which is nine years before this. Yeah, gave all U.S. citizens the right to vote regardless of race and right. Yeah, but the, the Indians weren't U.S. citizens because they're wards of the thing, yeah. so they couldn't vote. Yeah. So how long after? Uh, this? First, they had to become people. Yep. Okay. And then. Then. Did they have to make an amendment for that? They made this what's called the Snyder Act. Snyder Act. Yep. Which made Oh, that that do the Snyder cut of the of the uh <laughs> of the, <laughs> Suicide Squad. <laughs> no, the Snyder cut of the uh you know, the uh what's the X Men? No, the document Jaws. that we're talking about. The amendments. Oh Constitution. Constitution. I see what go. you're saying. Woo! Oh, I only had three white claws too. This is an act, not an amendment, but uh um, Okay. Um so that the Snyder it's going to be stupid. The Snyder Act is what made it that Native Americans, I believe, like is the act that made it that Native Americans, while still you know being tribal peoples, are citizens of the United States. Okay, stay okay. with me here. Stay with me. Nineteen. Okay, I see a fucking yes. <laughs> God damn it! Nineteen sixty. Three? Oh, oh, not that, qu- not oh. quite that egregious. Oh, okay, okay. Nineteen twenty-four. Twenty-four? Yes, but wow, that's still it's better than I thought. I it's still, that. it's still way bad. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, um, that's the thing. Uh, it still took forty to fifty years because all states uh, 
could run that. They're, they, all states can decide who is allowed to vote on their own. Uh, I think so the while, last states were what, oh, it's not New a federal, Mexico and Arizona. I very think. likely. Yeah. New Mexico and Arizona were the last states to let Native Americans vote. Mm-hmm. Fucking wow. And if you've been to New Mexico or Arizona, there's plenty of natives there. Yeah. Just a few. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, here's like, uh, here's like Kel- Kelvin Coolidge kind of hanging out. Like, uh, All right. when, when did, uh, yeah, because it was like, wait, you said 24? Yeah. Uh, so it looks was like, it? It looks like uh, Arizona, the Arizona Supreme Court struck down the provision in their state constitution that kept Indians from voting in 1948. <laughs> um, let's see. 1965's with pas- passage of the Voting Rights Act. Oh, isn't that? Uh, that's why. That's why I was like 60 and, and something. Then, and yeah. then there's other legislation that goes along with that in uh, 1970, 75, and 82. <laughs> yeah, so it was like 1920 women got to vote, and then 24 Native Americans got to vote. Something like yeah, that's fucking insane. I'd have to, you know, we'd have to delve. You know, kind of getting off track here again. But, sure, sure. But but the Voting Rights Act, you know the, the Voting yeah. Rights Act. Oh yeah, that, that's under also severe fucking attack. Uh huh. Yeah. Nineteen sixty four. Six five. Six yeah. five. Sorry. Anyway, fucking love this country, man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, so Stanley Bear's getting uh, resettled there in uh, near Brara. Uh, he asked Tibbles to help the rest of his tribe that were stuck in Oklahoma there. Tibbles, go get the rest yeah. of the tribe. <laughs> ding, 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 yeah, ding, yeah, ding, yeah. ding. <laughs> So they planned a secret plan for Iron Eye and Bright Eyes to go down to the Ponca Reservation in Oklahoma, and they wanted to get authority from them to go before a judge. Try this all over mm-hmm. again. On May 20th, they got there. Uh, they see the tribe was in disarray. Uh, they had six leaky shanties, but most everybody still lived in tents. Welcome to the leaky shanty. No shit, right? In between them were crosses of all their dead people. Oh. Oh. Dead that's... people drink for free here. What we'd love to do is stick a cemetery right, you know, <laughs> yeah, in the vacant lot between nice, your uh, shanties. It's a nice, nice uplifting yeah, uh, image. Just really, really lets you escape the daily horrors of your existence. <laughs> well, the they bleak hellscape. Well, they would have had the the scaffolds for the dead, but uh, Indian agent white man forbid him to. Oh, yeah. to the white man forbid them. It's huh? kind of icky, and he didn't like that. Yeah, stupid fucking white man. There's no church, no school, but guess what? White man was living in a huge wooden two story house paid for by the government. Get shocking! At oh, the my cost of twenty five hundred dollars. Fuck you, fuck you, stupid fucking white man. <laughs> Insert Gary Farmer clip here. Oh, there'll be many, many Gary Farmer clips in here. <laughs> stupid. Fortunately, White Man was away when Iron Eye and Bright Eyes were there. Uh, also, White Man uh, kept out the news about uh, Standing Bear's court case from the rest of the Ponca there. Oh, it's almost like the kind of Juneteenth thing where the army had to come tell the, some of the mm-hmm. formerly enslaved people in Texas that they had, in fact, been freed like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that war? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the side that you're quote-unquote, air quotes, owners are on uh, Lost. Oh, man, you don't have to do this anymore. In the middle of April, white man told the reservation uh, Poncas that 60 new houses would be built for him. This confused him because it was shitty so far, but now they knew because it was a white man who feared the bad publicity after the Standard Bear case. Hmm. Seems Mm -hmm. like we just did a thing about some kind of of asylum, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So Chief White Eagle there had bright eyes write down all the legal stuff that white man was doing. Basically, he was uh, patting his pockets and getting all these government contracts for his friends he in was town. Basically, and stuff. being an Indian agent. Yep. I mean, that's kind of how it is 90% of the time. So, White Man gets back the next day. Since Iron Eye and Bright Eyes had permission from Crook, he can, couldn't arrest him, uh, but he was pissed. Multipass. <laughs> Immunity. <laughs> Uh, undaunted, Bright Eyes came up and asked if she could take her uncle and sick aunt back to the Omaha reservation, and White Man refused. Stupid fucking White Man. You suck. It must be some kind of deal where they get paid per person, you know, too. Oh, yeah, much I, much like the asylum. Exactly. Yeah, where you, like, the more people you have on the res, yeah. the more... Damn it, they keep, they keep fucking dying on me, but if I... Actually, do that, too much to keep them alive. It costs, you know, it's off my bottom line. Right. Yeah, you got to, it. that makes sense because it would be like, oh, you have how many natives to take care of on your on your res? Cool. We'll give you whatever. Yeah, yeah. Ten bucks a head. Well, a lot of times it was it just is. like they'd give them the annuities right. and then they would sell those to other people. It right. wasn't so much necessarily straight sure, sure. cash. They're more but, like pirates. Like you'd get tobacco and fucking rice and more like sell that guy, shit. Guys, yeah, selling shit that fell off the back of the truck, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Standing Bear's brother, the the giant, Big Snake. Oh, yeah. Big Snake. Uh, he hears about the victory in court, and he decides to test uh, Dundee's decision. Also, he had to send his son away to the Carlisle School, which we'll be oh, talking about soon. Fuck. Working on that one right now. Oh, that sounds like what I probably think it is. It's mm-hmm. exactly what you think it is. Well, fuck. So Big Snake works up a plan, he told the white man that he and 30 others were going to the Cheyenne Reservation to buy horses. A uh, white man knew that he didn't have the means to stop him and said, okay. He knew that this was an attempt for them to test the new decision. Right. So he immediately sent a messenger to town to telegraph DC that Big Snake left without permission. Except, except the Big Snake is just like Fezzik from the fucking yeah, yeah. Like Princess Bride. You are the brood squad. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, he asked that they should be arrested when they got to the Cheyenne Reservation, and he wanted the troublemakers kept away anyway. So he's kind of shipping them off. And he would kind of use that as an example to keep all the other people in line. Uh, Schurz told Sherman, who told Sheridan, to arrest the Ponca and hold him at Fort Reno in Wyoming there. Uh, Schurz told him to return Big Snake and the others ASAP so they wouldn't get help from Tibbles and the lawyers. Those meddling lawyers and human (laughs) rights activists. Fuck. Ruining everything. And included in his orders were the words, quote, The writ of habeas corpus does not apply to this case. Which, Which somehow makes it, it legal, I guess. It's I don't exactly know. the opposite of what the exactly. ruling was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Big Snake and his friends were arrested at Fort Reno and taken back to their reservation. Iron Eye and Bright Eyes were still at the Ponca Reservation when they re- were returned. According to Dundee's decision, the Army couldn't arrest any trespassing guys without permission. It also said that the Army had to turn them over to local authorities after five days, which they didn't do Again. either. Yep. That old chestnut. Uh, had Tibbles and the Ponca supporters found out about this, shit would have hit the fan. But White Man acted quickly, so would, word wouldn't reach them in time. Fast acting White Man. It's amazing how hard somebody will work just to be a dick. To be a fucking dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, 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 so hard. So much work. It would be so much easier. To be shitty to somebody. Just to let them d- do their thing. To do reasonable shit. Yeah. But no, no. God damn. What I a will lift heaven and earth to uh, fucking to fuck you over. Uh, white man also tells uh, Bright Eyes and Iron Eye to leave. Uh, he didn't know that they smuggled out White Eagle's letter about all the white man's illegal doings, overpaying white, his friends off, uh, off the res. <laughs> Here's a list of white man's crimes. Yep. I ran out of paper. 
So White Man sealed off the reservation from outside info again. Uh, Big Snake was mad and said he would never speak to White Man again. That's a weird flex when mm-hmm. your main gig is like trying to look imposing. What is no talking? Well, he's about. also he's also like a pacifist, right? Like he's they said uh, in the what last episode? No, yeah, it was like, yeah. I, I mean, he's I get fucking, that. I get he's that, a giant, but, but he's like I get chilling. that, but stick with the glowering and the right. you know. Uh, also, Commissioner Hate decided to locate another tribe to the Ponca Reservation, the Nez Perce, who was recently caught trying to go to Canada. Hey, by for, oh yeah, Miles City, by, by Miles City. fucking yeah. Well, Nelson it Miles. wasn't by Miles City; it was by Miles. But he returned to Miles City, and then they probably went to Oklahoma. I don't know. I they said remember. fuck this place, and they left. Yep, <laughs> fuck you, Miles City. <laughs> In June 25th, Ponca snuck off the reservation and they went undetected and got to standing bears on the Neobrara there. Neobrara. No orders came from D.C. to arrest him. White man was friends with the newspaper man in Arkansas City, which was the next door to the reservation there. Stupid fucking white man. They print a story that everything is fine and conditions are great. (laughs) All All is well. well. Yes. (laughs) They didn't mention any uh, of the escape there. Uh, Iron Eye and Bright Eyes told Tibbles that everything was shit on the reservation, and Tibbles ran that story. Uh, he handed him uh, White Eagle's letter. Actually, actually, everything is shit on the reservation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they had uh, ammo to act on uh, for the stranded Poncos in uh, Oklahoma there. Uh, how are we doing on time? The stirring conclusion <laughs> in episode three. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. Law, Great Plains Edition, or whatever. Damn the right. Like. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we're gonna figure out if you know Native Americans <laughs> still get to be people. I guess is that what and we're whether there's freedom of movement in this country. Exactly. Like, and uh, is will white man come up with another <laughs> fucking <laughs> bullshit reason to yeah. like, fuck with people for no reason at all? Will Tibbles like? I don't know, adequately explain the, the Will, plight of the pockets. Yeah. The... Will Tibbles choose wet food or dry food? <laughs> yeah. uh, find out next week on How the West Was Fucked. But until then, we're going to go out in a hail. Uh, cat litter fire. Ooh, yum. Ooh, that's got to smell. Crunchy. Like heaven. Yay!